Jin. Okay. So, hey everyone, this is a history podcast. My name is Jin Ha. Jin Ho. And Song Man. Okay. Today we're gonna discuss in the topic of well, well, kind of like this discussing based on the Ito Hirobomi's uh statement of. That Sino-Japanese War of 1894 was a remarkable event of Japanese history. And to what extent do we agree with his statement? Well, first, I think we need to address what the Sino-Japanese War of 19... No, I mean, 1894 really is about. Um, so it's a war between China and Japan. Yeah. And apparently... Japan won in the war. Right. Uh get more details now. Okay, so wait, do we just jump onto the significance or no, 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 no. Uh let me just talk about the war for like 10 minutes and then we can go for the significance because I think we, we can we gotta talk like for yeah, because we need some context, right? Yeah. yeah. For the for the audience who doesn't know about it. All right. So um for my research, I I uh, kind of divided into short term factors and long term factors. The short term factor was from from the Japanese kind of intervention in Korea, due to its you know powerful army from the Meiji period, and that when the Korean king rebelled against the Jap uh China as being a tributary state, um Japan um. They intervened and made a pro-Japanese administration in the king's government. And this allowed um, China to war against it because Korea was under China at that time. And the long-term factor that I chose was from, from the Japanese army, because while both countries had this centricism idea that they were the center of this world, China was being hostile while, while Japan was was trying to accept and accept, accept the Western uh, improvements and influence. We know this by the period of Meiji. And because they were invigorating, they were kind of wa wanting to fight against China because they had nothing to lose about. So, so I thought that that was the long-term factor, not just necessarily intervention. And, and yeah, like the reason why Japan actually attacked China is, is because, yeah, as you mentioned, there was the Meiji Restoration thing. They were trying to make themselves modernize themselves, and and they wanted to be a empire during the process, and therefore, and therefore they had to attack Joseon and then China, because geographically Japan. Is on the right side, and there's chosen and China on the left, so it was necessary for them to actually attack those countries and have control in them so that they can expand their powers all over Asia and to to if they can even even to Russia and etc. So it was it was it was like compulsory for them to attack China geographically.
So the so the first well location or like the country that they the Japan wanted to actually conquer was Korea Joseon because the position they had is actually a road that can actually help Japan to conquer the mainland, the land itself of Asia. And as a milestone, Joseon was well inevitably because of its close closest well location from Japan, it was the first target. And also Joseon at that time was kind of weak because they had a, a problem that major problem that called Samjong. And this this is this is about the major major problems like for example food issues and tax issues that that Joseon had had must actually overcome to make their countries more modernized or industrialized. But well in some cases there was some advances but they were not enough to actually change Joseon to the industrial country, which led which led the country Joseon itself very weak on well diplomatic world of international world and Japan kind of used that. And the first first well step for it will be called the Kanada treatment. And from that some people and some historians consider that the invasion of Japan started and the the well the time when Japan kind of grasped Joseon was the first Sino Japanese or yeah. Or uh that that's a uh, good research. Uh well as you all know that Japanese army kinda beat out all the Chinese army uh, under the eight months of war. Uh, I mean, then then what's the significance in there? Because Japan seemed to, well, I mean, it's not their first time fighting against China. I, I think it was the first time fighting against China. And for, for that reason, because they showed their, their power to the Western countries like America and Britain, I think that that's that's the that's like the turning point of Japan to become and, and rise as one of those influential nations like West Western powers. I, I think that that's what this yeah, it is all about. Yeah. It's especially Russia was very terrified from this attack because yeah. first of all, Japan took the place which we called Risen and those Westerners called the Port of Arthur, Port Arthur. And this place is kind of, well, the direct location for the Manchu area, which is right north to the Korea. And which that, that place itself is also another, well, well, place that Russia also considered as a new port, which we all know her like weakness that she has no port that is always warm, right? And they're like number one, well, place that would love to conquer was Manchu, but Japan took them. And this tension kind of rose between Russia and Japan. And well, it, because it was before the Russo-Japanese war, it Russia did not really thought that Japan would al also like kind of like take whole influence that Russia had in Manchu. But but they had some treaty and those well oppression about taking the Port Arthur back to China or to Russian influence. And this, I think there was another country that intervened. Um, 
and and the well the result of the sunshine Japanese war was uh, terrifying and Japan was well rising to the international diplomacy uh, yeah and I also think the significance is is on the like it has a historical significance when when beating China because China has been like the strongest country in Asia and they have been in the middle just like how they call them Chungbuk. it's their they're literally the middle country and so they were like the strongest guys in the Asia and as Japan beat China like people even people living in Japan were like oh we beat China like we are strong enough and we have rights to expand ourselves and I think in terms of that it was really significant because now there's um, now there's justification of wars and how they want to expand stuff and that they are strong enough they showed to their Japanese people, which which would lead to stronger support for the government and their policies of expansionism. So I think, in terms of that, like the beating China was really important because they had they were like the symbol of the ruler of Asia. Yeah, like well, we have kind of limitation on the source. You know that because the word the source itself came from Italy, right? And because yeah. the Treaty of Shimonoseki, which is the result of the war, is is during his regime, so I think it has a bit of a limitation because it, he had to kind of boost boost what he has done. Mm. And if he if he only say think about the treaty itself, then this is kind of like more than the verification of Japan. Japan's invasion to Joseon and furthermore expansion to China. But but yeah, as you said, that the master of Asia was changing and kind of tilting to Japan's side, right? Right. While like Japanese people thought this was the most remarkable war under history, uh those um other Chinese officers during the Shimonoseki Peace Conference said well, well, Li Hongchang said China has at last been awakened from her long sleep. And I think what this really means is that China China is now aware of, of Japanese emergence, but not like frightened or being like beaten out by Japan during the war. Doesn't it feel like kind of similar to what German did after they lost in World War One? You remember, remember that? Like, because they thought they didn't lo lo lost the war, but they had ceased fired. So, so they were like, we didn't lose it, but we we kind of came to realize that the world power is growing up. So it it kind of reminds me of how how all this it feels mm -hmm. like a tour. Yeah, yeah, like the Chinese people also deemed that the treaty of Shimonoseki was was a humiliation. Right. And then they were the victims of the Western imperialism and Japanese aggression. Right. I mean, it, it kind of goes the same plot line, I guess.
which I, I yeah, I, yeah so in that case i don't know if it's significance but maybe maybe, maybe significant, significant to china no i mean to japan but really not to china i guess i mean i wonder i mean i think there might be a difference too because for china um japan was like like they were super superior to japan like they were better guys than and they had the mind like like the whole country had the mind and getting beaten by japan i think that's definitely different to getting beaten by other western countries because it, after the opium war and other wars between western countries china still had like they still justified themselves and like we're all right we're still the strongest and like of course they can do that but after losing to Japan, I think there's like a subtle difference because Japan itself was not a strong country. So maybe like there might be a difference in reactions. Mm. And I think after after the Shimonoseki Treaty, uh, there came the Boxers Uprising, right? Mm. Which the Chinese people urged the emperor to to cooperate the Western influence, right? In that in that case, um, well, well, it definitely hit China pretty hard because, because for all these years they've been so defiant and not to, not to take Western influence and keep those like Confucianism values. But now after this Sino-Japanese War of eighteen ninety four, they suddenly become too eager to accept them. Which is an internal conflict, of course. The other bureaucrats had, you know, denied to accept those and called them to be the foreign devils. Uh, I think they used the same term too. Um, I don't know it definitely definitely affected China with a great influence. And I also want to point out the influence that has more. Well, I think it has very big meanings to Asian well society because first of all, the Chinese, which at that time, it was Qing Dynasty, whose well, her king is Manchu people, and not not Han people, which is the majority of the Chinese population. And by this, I think the dominant dominant world structure of Qing Dynasty actually is, got a very strong shock because they lost in their territories, right? Where where they thought that they had, well representatively like shown their root as a Manchu and they lost some of those lands and even they are not they were not able to control Joseph now at all. And I, I think that also led some of Han people in China to actually get to the nationalist ideas, which will be later on become the Kuomintang and other yeah. those well societies. And yeah, I, I think this this event was very significant for that. Mm. Right. Like some people say like the boxes uprising is the most significant event that happened during the period. And I think it's not just the boxers uprising, but part of them is from the Sino Japanese War. So I guess we can argue that it's the most remarkable event that happened in China's history during the time. Well, um, do you want me to read out like the partial uh, promises, compromises that were made in the Treaty of Shimonoseki. I got like 
one, two, three, four, five, five points here. We can determine if they're humiliating or not. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So first, China had to give up all claim to Korea. China was yes. required to pay an indemnity of 230 million silver dollars to Japan, which is equivalent to 5 billion at 2016 values. <laughs> Japan took permanent possession of Taiwan, Liaodong in southern Manchuria, which included Port Arthur and Pasadena Islands. And Japan was given the right to establish factories and commercial premises in all the Chinese trade ports. Chongqing, Hangzhou, Shaanxi, and Shuhou to be open to Japanese trade. Kind of sound like what we to the Treaty of Versailles, right? Kind of. Uh, like open opening those harbors, like kind of learn from America, right? Right. Yeah, they're, they're kind of doing the same thing what they have well they was inflicted by Americans by the Cronet incident which is mm -hmm. also the same to open the harbor to western countries and China kind of still kind of trying to close their doors was well forced to open them all now yeah Also, like the fact that China, like Japan, took over Tianjin. Tianjin is it how to say it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Taiwan. No, oh. Tian Tianjin. It's like a city. Is it? Is it Beijing? No. Is it same as? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah, I think you can't call it that the way. Chong Chongqing, you you mean that? No, there's like a city called Tianjin. Tianjin, never never heard of it. Mm -hmm. It's so like, it like it's like yeah. it's just near to Beijing. Yeah. Uh -oh. Yeah, and and the fact that Japan took over that part, it means that Japan will now control China near the capital of China. I think in in terms of that, it's very significant. Hmm. Like, and it shows how humiliating it was, because it's right next to the capital. Right, like getting a bigger influence of Japan, which they tended to be inferior, but now being controlling them over. Right? Yeah. Hmm. And I think because. The, the silver you know, bullions were kind of sparse due to opium trading that the China had because they all smuggled and they got angered and caused the opium war, right? And asking them for about 230 million silver dollars could also mean that, could also show that how kind of cruel or, or what, what do you call it, unfair the treaty was, I guess, to, to China. Which we can see how mm -hmm. humiliating that is. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, and also like in, in terms of taking over Chosen, like as Japan fought in, like Japan and China fought in Chosen hands, and during the process, Japan 
like got received a lot of information about the like the geo geography of chosen and like from that like japan could easily control chosen later and expand their power like more quickly and stabilize stabilize the chosen colonization real quick which would like help them fast move on to the next step really fast Because also we the chosen itself had very strong resistance against Japan, and actually this war itself is kind of triggered because of the well resistance that was well based on the community called Tunghak. And if I just translate it, write it, then I sh I should say this is just an Eastern studies, and this is more about the more like to the a bit to Christian and also a bit more to the. Korean traditional legends and this the well religion some say is that has very significant well factor of protecting the country from other well countries and as the part of the movement they kept resisting towards to Japan and they actually attacked some of Japanese well soldiers and that happened and yeah, and well, well, the Japan could able to actually like grasp Joseon, and they were they were actually able to well catch them all and execute some of those leaders of Tuwa people. Yeah, and also if like if Japan Japan did not have war with China, then I, would they really? Be able, was they were they really able to like challenge Russia and dare to fight against them? I don't think they would be able to do that because because after beating China, that's that's since then they got a lot of confidence and belief in their policies and expansionism. And if they didn't have a war against China and win, like then they would not be able to beat Russia too later because that's like because not if not they they wouldn't have the confidence and even the motivation for expansionism to fight against them. So I think in terms of that like I think the Sino Japanese war gets more significant. Yeah. If if you like further more more talk about this then the Japan actually kind of used Joseon, the Latin Peninsula, Korean Peninsula itself as a kind of like, well, war preparation part because they were able to kind of fortify the land itself to actually make those well, war, war supplies from the land. And also they had a plan about, well, increasing those, those rice, rice fields. And this kind of like, so Japan kind of used the peninsula itself very tactically to actually invade China at, at their second war between them. And of course, we should say that Rus Russo-Japanese war were also kind of, Japan kind of got a strong well, advantage by well fortifying the Joseon Pen Peninsula. The Korean Peninsula, the land would be like Wonsan, and they used as like the naval fortify fort, fort to 
will control DC, which we call AC. Mm. So it's like it provided them the confidence to to expand their empire. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and one more claim we have too. So in terms of Korea, that we the the Joseon and the Qing dynasty had kind of like unsure territorial border called Kando, mm. which. Well, some of people, so there was kind of record that Joseon government actually sent some well people to actually govern the land, but it was it was un, unsure because the land itself, so there was kind of political way, political reasons that they kind of did not really consider this problem because first of all, their the relationship between Qing and Joseon was very close, and they did not really have to like fight against the small land, kind of small, but the land torch borders because they were kind of they had very close relationships so but after the Japan conquering or colonizing Joseon the problem kind of happened because because Japan and China did not really have a good relationship they should they should mention where the border was and the part Kanto was very well unsure and I think this also kind of gave Japan a justification to actually conquer China because the land is is in terms of Japan that was not legally conquered by it's it's not legal to have Japan uh, China to take the land so Japan was able to kind of move towards to Manchu and attack China. All right. Well. I think what really significantly shows how Western powers recognized Japan as being a rising, you know, um, his world power is from the triple intervention in 1895. About Port Arthur, right? Right. You know, these three European countries, France, Germany, and Russia, were, were kind of like agitated by the rise of Japan. And they uh I think that's part of the reason why the Russo-Japanese War also happened. Mm. Japan because they took the land of Liao Liaodong or Liaodong, which which was the land that I, I mentioned in the Shimonoseki Treaty. Uh which the Japan took permanent possession of, of it. But now that these European guys took it well, that really aggravated Japan and declared war against Russia. Mm -hmm. Isn't but in, in a holistic view? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think you you would try to like mention this thing because France had an interest because they had in the China colony there, and Germany had their interest because they had Qingdao there, and Russia also had interest because they had influence in Manchu. So the three country was well able to collaborate because to actually like yeah oppress China, Japan from in, well expanding their influence to China and another race. Oh, hmm. hmm. uh, okay. So if we can conclude one thing. What would you think the most important factor that led Japan to be so remarkable 
um, in in the world history. Like, for me, I think um, the major period of accepting the foreign influence was definitely, definitely the biggest reason for their success. Do you have any other ideas or? I mean, it's kind of obvious because ma many other countries did acquire many um, Western influence and thrived. But for Japan, they didn't stop it. They they kind of yeah further because of the confidence they got. Yeah. And they they were not really stopped hugely by yeah. the oppositions. Like because in China and Korea, there there were the conservatives who who always tried to stop it, and even the even like the like especially the higher class like workers i guess like they were working because like their father was in that in that kind and they had they had the nobility and like they didn't want to lose it so they actually opposed the idea of modernizing i think and this strong opposition i think led other countries not be able to be like japan and expand their powers like on the other hand, Japan had a lot of wars and they were unified now by a government and and like in terms of like they didn't have a power for long. I, I think there's like difference there. So I think that kind of structure or difference made Japan to be able to more powerful than other Asian countries. And I also think that this war, this war, was a turning point that actually Western influences kind of think Japan as another factor that might that might give an effect to their world colonization, and 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 the the war itself led to Japan to actually have confidence to actually conquer more and more and expand their idea of well, United Asia under under Japan, yeah. Well, I mean, all, all of them are right. Like Japan, after the Sino-Japanese War in 1894, I guess that's the turning point of, when, of their rise as, as well as those influential countries. Well, um, I think we talked pretty much all about it, of what we prepared. I think we did pretty well. Mm. Nice job. Uh, I think we're gonna make that, uh, probably probably next week or, and and there's just one week that we have to do it on, uh, Sunday and Friday. Um, because you know we go to Japan and Songmin too, right? You go to Japan, so everyone's in Japan. Ah, oh, weird. <laughs> right, we're going to Japan to feel the great country itself. Right. Uh, so. I'll see you then. Yeah. And the next topic is uploaded on our cacao chat room. So I'll also put it on the description box in the in our podcast for today's topic and next topic. So that we can prepare for more. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. This was our history podcast. My name was 
Brandon. I mean, I mean Jinha. Jennifer. And Zongmin, thank you. Thank you. This is our Thank first you. Yeah. Have a nice day. I mean, You too. no. Yeah. I'm going to end it.